When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple, Terrence Sharma. Uh, we are in the thick of the winter, folks. Not just calendar-wise, but, uh, you know, what do we got? Six weeks until uh, until spring training kicks off. The Mets still have some holes. The uh, the hot stove still has some, uh, some, things, uh, some things cooking. So I guess we'll see where the Mets stand and, uh, and what could still be done. Taryn. What's happening, my friend? Yeah, it's hard to believe. Six weeks. That's awesome. Uh, it is about to enter uh, one of the best parts of the sports calendar and then subsequently followed by one of the worst parts of the sports calendar. So um, I'm savoring the end of football. I know you are, too. And uh, and then we're going to have uh, spring training ready to talk about. But I think that the Mets are going to do some more work before then. Oh, I think you have to. If they're going to stick to uh, to David Stern's proclamation that they are building a team to to get into the postseason, yeah, I think they're going to – a little more could be done. Uh, first and foremost today, um, we all heard the very sad, sad news that Buddy Harrelson, um, 69 Mets, you know, cornerstone piece, so even just that era cornerstone piece and a face of the franchise for – Pretty, you know, pretty much the rest of his life, and even here on Long Island with the Ducks, um, always a friendly face, always a, a kind word for for fans wherever it was, whether it was in Queens or out here on the island. Uh, passed away at the age of seventy nine. Um, long bout with dementia. Um, was in hospice care in recent years, but boy, the uh, the glowing words from you know the entire Mets family all the stories from fans on social media and stuff. But you like, you know, I first started paying attention to the Mets, you know, for like a full season. I, I was a Mets fan as long as I can remember. But like, you know, that 1990 season when Davey Johnson was out and, and Buddy took over, you know, that was like in the midst of like my first full 162 season of watching as a fan. And, you know, my dad was so excited. He was a 13 year old kid in 1969. So that, you know, that team was special to him. Um, Buddy Harrelson kind of implanting himself on the Island and and us, of course, being on the Island at that point, Um, you know, a connection was there. So, you know, it was cool. And, you know, then of course, seeing him go to the ducks and, and I got to meet him just a couple of times, just around long Island. He used to uh, be involved with the Babylon beepers, which was a blind softball team. Wow. Uh, they Mets alumni play them. They've had, they have Islanders players like current Islanders players come and play them. And they, you know, this was a, a very, very fun event, but you know, these guys would, would make the best of it. You know, book signings with Art Shamsky. These guys were like a family. If you have a chance, check out Eric Sherman's book, um, uh, the Brotherhood of the uh, Lasting Brotherhood of the 69 Mets. Gosh, I'm sorry, Eric, if I butchered the title, but look up Eric Sherman, Eric with a K at the end. And uh, his book on the 69 Mets is just beautiful. 
but yeah, I, I wanted to say something about Buddy because I think he means so much to so many different generations of Mets fans and even just baseball fans on Long Island. What he did for the Ducks to put them on the map here, and they're still going strong. Um, just, you know, I think forever grateful as Long Island baseball fans, but I didn't mean to drone on there. No, 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 that's, that's great. It kind of hit me, man. I was very upset to see that this morning. He's clearly a guy that really embraced the community. And um, I saw a story today. It, it, I mean, it's awesome, right? The Mets fan base is awesome. And and uh, I, I love to see what everyone is saying when anything happens with the team. And, you know, this is a significant loss. And, and somebody said that, I think it was in 1991 uh, when he was managing the team, someone told him uh, what a big Mets fan this kid is. And uh, and so he went to this this kid's bar mitzvah and and surprised him there. And so I think special stuff like that is uh, why ball clubs are so important to communities and to see somebody who really took that um upon themselves to to bond with the people where they played i think is really really important and and represents the best of baseball so yeah tremendous loss and uh, that was really nice what you said too yeah you know he took pride in being a, a you know a met lifer a part of the mets family and i think i said it on twitter today on social media today like you know, he, he he took as much pride in being a Met as Mets fans do in rooting and, and loving this team. And, you know, we felt that. I think that was a palpable connection. And, yeah, we'll be missed. And uh, I hope the Mets do something special for him this year. And I'm sure his uh, 1969 brethren will, will put something together nice when they do. And, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess it's part of life. But it's sad. Um, on to, I guess – brighter things than as we said the Mets are, uh, are are kind of putting things together um right before we hit record actually we just got some news Pete Alonzo and the Mets agreed to a 20.5 million dollar salary for 2023 to um avoid arbitration of course he heads into free agency next year uh Taryn do you think this is uh, preface to an extension coming. Do you think this is just chess match? Do you think that this will drag on through the season and um, and Pete will will hit the open market? Well, um, I I think he wants to be back. I I don't know uh, whether the the money is going to make sense for both sides or what exactly, if any, the financial constraints are upon the new front office. Uh, I didn't love Jeff passing the the last line of that tweet that he's going to hit free agency following the 2024 season. Um, I think Pete, and I, I think we've all said this at some point or another, Pete is a great culture fit for this ball club. And I think he's really important to the clubhouse. And so uh, his production is huge, right? He's been the most productive man uh, in, since he came up. But uh, in addition to that, I think he has a very uh, – and we we were just talking about uh, guys that embrace being in the community, right? Like no one does that better than Pete and Haley, uh, Alonzo. So, um, yeah, I'm hopeful. But truth be told, I, I have no idea, right? Like he, he's got a, a, <laughs> a very strong agent, right? Like the, 
who has a history of taking his guys to market. And, uh, and this is a front office that we don't necessarily know what they're going to do because they haven't uh, Stearns in particular hasn't been in this position where he has um, hopefully these type of resources at his disposal. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful though. I love Pete Alonzo. I think he's a great guy. Uh, and he's a great ball player, so I, I hope that he's the first baseman for years to come. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked that it didn't have to go to um, a hearing. I know Pete was looking for. I think I don't know what he was looking for, but I know he's projected to get quite a bit more. And usually the projections are usually in line with what the players are asking for. But apparently the twenty point five was good enough. Um, the lack of issues there gives me some um, hope that. You know, whether or not there's actual discussions on an extension happening right now, things are amicable. And I think that's um, that's a good place to be. Um, but for right now, you know, Pete's in the mix for 2024. Did I say 2023 earlier? I hope I didn't. If I did, I apologize. Uh, Pete's in the mix for 2024. I hope that he's in the mix moving forward. But um, him being here and going into a contract year as of this point, um, it, it, again, Hopefully the Mets get a big year out of him because if they are going to be in the mix, they're going to need a big year from Pete. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Everything that Pete does, whether it's hitting home runs, whether it's being a clubhouse guy, whether it's being a face for the team uh, to the media, whether it's being um, a, a face for the for the team in, you know, public facing in whatever situation. Yes. Yep. He's that guy. He just he's that guy in, in almost every facet. So, yeah, I think that's got to be the at least, you know, the way to go from the team's perspective, especially if he wants to be here. But um, well, here's here's another one, right? Like this year might be it might be tough on the field. We have no idea. Um, but a lot of guy, a lot of teams would be so lucky to have one guy who's willing to stand up to that um uh, all the questions and and complaints and all of that that comes with maybe not having what you're aiming for in terms of performance being a great team and we have one in Lindor but to have two in both Lindor and Alonzo I think sets the tone for the clubhouse and uh and so I really don't want to lose that I I think that he's uh he's just such a leader um and and again, great ball player. I think they we're going to get another 40 home run season from him this year. And the guy just, he goes out there, he does his job, and he tries to keep it light, which is um, really important over 162. Oh, man. And just the, like, I think you hit it on the nose with Lindor. The accountability goes yes. so far, man. And it goes, the ripple effects of accountability, whether that's facing the media, whether it's facing your teammates, whether it's on the field, whether whatever, it has ripple effects. And that's what brings a culture up. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, he's the and, right guy for it. And that's a trait that you want uh, young players to see be rewarded by the front office, right? Like right. All these young guys are coming up and hopefully in the next couple of years, they're going to be contributing Gilbert and Jet Williams and uh, and Clifford. And you want them to see guys like Lindor and guys like Alonzo, like, oh, this is what this front office values. Uh, a guy that's going to go out there and play almost every game and uh, and also to um to answer when when things aren't going right. And so I think that that's 
it's just a really important thing that I think can get overlooked. And I think it's particularly important in this market. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really hopeful that, uh, that Pete is, is a Met for years to come. Now, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but what do you make of like Tommy Pham's comments last year that the work ethic in the Mets clubhouse wasn't really up to snuff in some areas? Do you put that on Pete and Lindor? considering they were the leaders? Or do you think that kind of fell on the guys who were previously in the clubhouse before the trade deadline last season, who were maybe setting more of a tone throughout the room in, um, let's say, like a Scherzer or Verlander, who, again, weren't there long-term and maybe weren't cemented into that cornerstone status yet, but being the veterans they were, surely had a big voice in the room. Yeah, did did he not clarify those comments and say a little bit more about who he was talking about. I, I don't know. I don't remember if I, I don't remember if it was directly targeted at anyone. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, if, if we're, and I, I'm, I'm with you that Lindor and Pete are those leadership type guys, but do we put any weight into, I don't know, reading between the lines of fans comments, even if he did, I guess, in a way specify what he meant. And again, you know, I, I, I don't, I respect Fam for speaking up on his experiences here, and I think it probably will resonate with the guys that are still in this clubhouse, especially the guys who should be leaders, the guys we're talking about, Lindor and Pete, and, and even going even further. Um, you can look at guys who should be leaders in this room in 2024. Um, I think that all of this should have a, a cause and effect type of result to it. Like, you know, the embarrassment of 2023, and of course, we'll tie the fam comments into that. You know, guys like Pete and and, and Francisco Lindor, they're going to take that hopefully with a, um, a chip on their shoulder this year. And then, you know, Lindor's here for the long haul. We assume Pete is would like to be here for the long haul, and the Mets would too. We'll see if that comes to fruition. But tying in what you were saying about the young kids and especially the – the, the ones who are here, the influx of high-end guys who are going to be coming up soon. You know, yeah, the, we, work ethic and and building culture and not getting down over 162, which, again, Pete kind of embodies, despite, you know, falling into slumps and pitchers, you know, approaching him and adjusting to him differently of what seems like every couple of weeks. He keeps his head up, keeps his chin up, and, and, and keeps it going. And that you know those are intangibles that you really can't um put a value on and you know of course you can't have pete with a sub 850 ops and a sub 220 batting average and a uh you know just not a complete hitter i don't think we're going to see that same guy that we saw last year this year right. for pete but you know what he does and what him and lindor do and even you could lump McNeil into this and Nimmo. I mean, I mean, there's a core here and the core is not bad. It just underperformed sorely last year. And, um, you know, Stearns has done, I don't want to say all he can this offseason to make this a deeper, stronger team to build around this existing core. But it's certainly been the objective is to go for depth and to go for reinforcements. And do you believe in in the um, in the message in the mantra of this offseason? Like, let's build a winner from the bottom up, and and let's let's compete and and 
let's try to fill all the holes that weren't here and, and try to do our best with what's here. And we don't know what might come still in the offseason. But as of right now, if the offseason were to end, are you are you comfortable with this team squeezing into a wild card spot? Uh, uh... <laughs> I don't I want mean, to put you on the spot, man. You know, I, it really depends on how the rest of the uh, the league shakes out, right? Like, if, oh, sure. if all the wild card teams are ninety win teams, no, probably not. I know, I as currently constructed, this team does not strike me as a team that's going to win ninety games because I don't think that there's necessarily a stopper uh, in the in the rotation. Senga was great last year. I would love to see him repeat it. Um, but it's not like he has some long track record that you're like, absolutely, that guy is a is a Verlander or a DeGrom when he was healthy or even a Scherzer when, uh, in, in that first year. And so uh, I, that that is concerning. I, I think that the bullpen could uh, use a little bit more juice. Uh, but you said it, right? Like the core underperformed. And jumping back to, to Tommy Pham's comments, I, I think that part of that you do have to put at their feet because um, Lindor and Pete are the the leaders. And so if they're uh, willing to accept guys not working hard, in Tommy Pham's opinion, right? Because that's, that's like a maniacal work ethic. Even Mark Canna, who's been a successful big leaguer forever, right? He said that that's because Tommy's perspective is that he – works so hard even to a, a point where it's like um a bit much and so like that works for him but it doesn't necessarily work for all guys and so it look i i think that the most important thing is that lindor especially leads by example and i think he does and i think pete is a hard worker he strikes me as somebody that really loves baseball and that works really hard at his craft and is always trying to improve. And the performance isn't always there, but he's always on the cusp of turning the corner if he's not performing. And um, and and he's had a ton of success. Like, this is probably the best power hitter that the Mets have had in, uh, I, I don't know, like almost a generation. It's uh, oh, yeah. other than like late stage Delgado or, you know, Beltran was fantastic. Uh, I don't know if the Mets have had a guy like this, certainly not a homegrown guy like this. And so I, he, I think he's a hard worker and, and I know Lindor is a hard worker um, because that's what you hear from everybody. So uh, I think it's interesting that fam made that comment to, uh, to Lindor because maybe he was trying to get him to, to light a fire under some guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, right now it doesn't strike me as a playoff team, but that doesn't mean that it can't be. It doesn't mean that those guys aren't going to perform better than they did last year. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get uh, a good performances out of like say Shamanaya or or Luis Severino that um, maybe you weren't expecting. There's uh, so many factors at play, right, including how the rest of the division shakes out because um, you know you're going to play them a lot. So uh, the other thing is, I, I don't remember if it was Austin that tweeted it out or or who, who it was, but um, how the David Stearns Milwaukee teams were typically pretty underrated by, you know, like the Fangraph's win projection. 
Oh, that, so, was, Dan, that was Daniel Wexler. I saw oh, okay. that on Twitter today, and that was a good tweet. Go ahead. I want to please expand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that that maybe uh, Stern sees things a little bit differently. He's obviously been very successful without his owner being willing to spend a lot of money. And so uh, maybe that was the charge this offseason, you know, like go out, build the floor, right? We know we have Lindor locked in longer term. We know some money is going to come off the books uh, this off, this coming offseason. We know that these kids are almost ready to perform at the big league level, right? Like I, I don't think people realize like how close we are to Gilbert and Jet Williams being up. And, and I think that maybe it's not this year, but the 2025 Mets, I think you can pencil those guys in uh, because they're going to be major parts, major contributors for this uh, for this team going forward. And so if that's what the charge was, and you know they're, they're never going to say that in so many words, but if that's what the charge was to, to go out, build the floor, and then we'll see what happens at the deadline and we'll see what happens for 2025. Uh, I think that that's perfectly legitimate and I could see that happening. But right now it, it strikes me as like an 80 to 87 win team. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's very tough to disagree with that assessment right at this point. Um, I do also think there's going to be more on the board, but you know, if you look at what Stearns has done this winter, and again, he's trying, clearly he's trying to find value in, I don't want to say trash heap guys, and I hate to use that phrase, trash heap guys, but undervalued. Um, uh, very much Jonah Hill in Moneyball type of right. situation. Like this is, you know, this is Harrison Bader. His fault is he doesn't hit right-handers, but boy, he plays a terrific center field and can hit the crap out of lefties. Like, you know, this is the type of guy, and he played college ball with Pete, and I'm sure that's going to, you know, you want good energy in the clubhouse, and I'm sure it's going to be well. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think he's gone about this in such a great way, and whether it's Severino, whether it's, you know, we saw, of course, the the uptick of that Mania experience last year after working with Driveline the year before. Oh, um, the soft-tossing lefty? Yeah, man, he got up to what ninety seven last year with his fastball, added a sweeper. You know, he was almost like a completely different pitcher and a swingman type of guy over the second half of the year. Had like a sub three ERA over his last fourteen appearances, and some of those were relief, but it was long relief. Like that's versatility. I like that. But you know, if you look at the moves that he's making, and even going to like the bullpen where you've brought in just a number of. I'm going to say intriguing and I'm going to use that very loosely um, guys in like, you know, Kyle Crick and Austin Adams and, and Johan Ramirez and Cole Sulcer, uh, Michael Tonkin. I love Jorge Lopez. I think that's going to be a guy separate of everybody else. I think he can be back end type material, like pair him up with, uh, with Rayleigh and really, really lead into Diaz strongly. But you know, the guys that he's adding to this bullpen now, and really, you only have, like, Drew Smith, who's still around. You know, it looks like he's he has a plan in place. And if it works, great. Because, you know, you, any successful team, and even if it's moderate success or real success, you need a strong bullpen. If they think that they can get by with this group, fine. I could certainly use more, but you could say that for everybody. Um, 
David Robertson would be great. I know Joel Sherman of the Post mentioned um, Brent Suter, who signed with Cincinnati today. One year, $3 million deal with a club option for 25. It's a really sweetheart deal, but it turns out that's a hometown deal. He lives in Cincinnati in the offseason. Wandy Peralta has been out there. John Brevy has been out there. But, like, you know, you have to wonder what – Stearns has in mind for the stuff that he's done so far. Like, I think the bullpen, there's got to be more moves there because you can't see that this group going in and surviving 162. But, like, if you look at the rotation, I think I'm going to say this almost verbatim from the article I put on the Apple tonight, but the starting rotation is technically full. You got Sanga, Quintana, Severino, Minaya, and Adrian Hauser. But is it complete? You know, you can go out there and you can add more arms. Um, of course, you got Lucchese and you'll have Peterson ready later in the season uh, after the uh, the hip surgery rehab. Um, you know, you can still add to the front end. You can still add to the back end. You can turn this into a six-man rotation. But like Luis Severino, we're talking about like high ceiling, let's get the most out of our guys. And even Adrian Hauser to an extent, you know, Clearly, Stearns and his team see something in the people that he's bringing in. And what these guys can bring, the upside could put this team over the top. And I'm not going to say over the top World Series contenders. Over the top into the upper the upper crust of the National League. And, and I'm not saying like, you know, division leaders, but within the playoff race, in the postseason hunt maybe even getting into the dance. I think there's a foundation here to do that. And, you know, you can add, and I think that with the loss of Ronnie Mauricio, I think we might see some additions, whether it be at third base, whether it be around the infield. Um, I'm not sure if they're confident with what they're doing, with what they have now. I wouldn't mind seeing Justin Turner. I wouldn't mind seeing J.D. Martinez if you want to go to the D.H. spot, which we'll talk about the D.H. spot in a little bit. But you can almost see the vision in all of the moves that he's making, even though they're not like the um, eye-popping moves that this fan base <laughs> apparently became accustomed to last offseason. Like, you know, we knew this was going to be a unique winter. And I think that they've navigated it well. But I think all of us are left wanting a little bit more. And for this team to compete, they might need a little bit more. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right about that. And um, yeah, it's not over, right? Still have a solid month plus uh, where things can happen. And and so, uh, yeah, I w- we'll, we'll see what Stearns does. <laughs> what, do you, now, what do you think about the DH? Do you think that this team can really rely on the versatility of this roster and just, okay, you're, you're playing in the field and, and Pete, you're going to get a DH day. All right. You're catching today and Francisco Alvarez, you're going to get a DH day. All right. Uh, Vientos, you're going to play in the field or, or whatever. I, I'm going to actually tie this into does Mark Vientos find his way um, via part-time DH reps? Or do you think that, he needs full-time reps to actually develop. And if that's like a almost like a sub-question, let's start with a DH. Are, yeah, do, you, do the Mets need a true DH? That's as simple as I could put it. Do they need a true DH, or the, can they rely on depth and versatility to just use it, you know, wisely, use the position wisely? 
Yeah, I, I don't think that even if you bring in a guy to primarily be the DH, that necessarily prevents you from then rotating someone in there. You're not going to necessarily need that spot every day. And I would rather have a professional hitter that you sign specifically to play there that can play in a corner or something like that, uh, be stashed somewhere uh, to give those guys a day. So, like, um, I, I I think that uh, J.D. Martinez would – be nice. It would be nice to have somebody that can hit the ball over the wall, um, especially on a one-year deal, because if you're out of it uh, and they're having a decent season, you see, again, like last year, where you trade those one-year deal guys and, and you recoup some uh, some value in terms of prospects, continue to build the farm. You never know when those backfield guys are going to pop, you know, like uh, Junior Caminero, who uh, is one of the top prospects in baseball now, it's fairly well known that he was traded by the Indians to the Rays for like uh, almost nothing. And, and so, um, and, and at the time, he was just a complex player. And so, um, I think that the Mets have made it a point that they're going to scout those types of guys better. Because that's what the the really good organizations do mm -hmm. um, when you're not necessarily going to be able to woo everyone with money or geography, and uh, and so I I think that it would be nice, you know, like I, and I didn't necessarily understand like uh, do you do you take Andy Martino's report literally like the Mets only have ten more million dollars to spend. I don't know. Like, what does that mean? Like, did Steve Cohen like shake his pocket and say, "Oh, nope, sorry, is all we got." Sorry. Like, no. I, I think this is a um, a posturing type thing, and I think you know, I know a lot of people dislike Andy. Um, if you, it, with nuance, I think Andy reports mostly the right things. Sometimes maybe they're a little skewed, maybe they're a little click hungry, but I. I I respect Andy Martino and, and I hope I don't take heat for that. And I don't care. Give me heat for it. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I take it with very much a grain of salt. I think they'll spend more on the bullpen than $10 million. So I, yeah, I don't really buy into that. I have $10 million left. That might've been one of the more, you know, let's get this tweet cooking for a couple of days, types, types of, uh, types of social media posts. But, um, yeah, I find it very hard to believe that that's all that's left in the coffers for this season, especially if they think, and per Stern's words on Wednesday, this is what they think, that they're going to be a, a playoff-worthy team. Um, yeah, no, they're going to have to spend more than that. So, yeah, the $10 million, um, that might have been geared towards someone they might have been shooting for that might have wanted a one-year deal for $12 million and, hey, Andy, put this tweet out saying $10 million. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? We, we know how um how this part of the offseason can go as far as, excuse me, uh, agent and, and media and team posturing and intermediaries and stuff like that. And, you know, and that's not a demerit on any reporter who takes part in it. It's a part of the game. It is what it is. But um, I don't know, I guess as fans and I guess as even as fans with a little bit of, um, I guess, little baby media chops, we, you know, we I guess we have to take everything with a grain of salt. But no, yeah, they're going to spend more on a on a 
reliever for one year if they go the David Robertson or something route um they're going to end up paying more than 10 million dollars for a reliever so you know I doubt that's a limit um do you, you think wonder- Santos uh because you asked me this, do you think that if he performs well this spring, that there's an opportunity for him to to get more regular at bats? <clears throat> Excuse me, who Vientos? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think we saw it towards the end of last year. He looked a lot more comfortable. Um, you know, and even throughout all his dips and 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 adjusting adjustments last year, he still finished the year with an exit view of like 92.5 miles an hour, hard hit rate of over 50%. Like, yeah, he's putting a bunch of balls in the ground and pitchers are really attacking him in his, in the holes in his swing. But I trust his, um, his underlying abilities more than the faults that he's, you know, that he's exhibiting after a very, very quick cup of coffee in the majors. Um, especially when we knew, He's a power guy, so there's going to be holes. You know, as long as he can adjust, which that's still a question mark, um, and which I think we'll get a good idea of throughout the spring. And I don't think anybody should put a whole lot of water into what anybody does in the spring. But if he looks confident, and I'd love to see him shorten up that swing a bit, and if he's still hitting for that same amount of quick, quick, vicious power, um, like his hands are fast. And when he connects, man, he he just naturally hits the ball like a rocket off of his bat. So, yeah, I, I like his future, even if it's just as a power guy. I think he can be a productive major leaguer. Um, will he be like a three-true outcome guy? Possibly. I would love for him to be more than that. And I, Going back to his hands, his hands are so fast. If he were to shorten up his swing, I really think he could turn into a a Daniel Murphy type hitter where, you know, you might not get 290 out of him, but you could get gap to gap doubles. I, I'm, I'm not even joking there. And I think he went on a little tear last year where he was hitting the opposite field home runs before he started um, pulling them. But the opposite, like the all field power is there. I think if someone can really, really get behind him and, and teach him to a little bit more than just see the ball, hit the ball kind of, um, adjust with the game. And I know it takes, it takes time as a major league hitter to really get that to that level at that level. <laughs> if that, if you can understand what I'm saying, but um, yeah, I, I love his potential. I think Beatty has a hit tool that cannot be understated, but again, it's going to take development and this might be the year for both of them. Um, I think regardless of spring, to answer your question in an extremely long-winded way, I think regardless of spring training performance, I think both of them are going to get a re- as long as they're still on the roster come spring if they don't make any big trades, which you can't foresee. Um, I-, I think that they- we're going to get a real good look, and I think we're going to have a much better idea of what type of futures they're going to have um, when it comes to Beatty and Vientos, I would say by midseason. I'm I'm actually encouraged by both of them. I think that we're going to be pleas- pleasantly surprised by the progress. Yeah, I, that would be very nice. Um, I, in an ideal world, they they really seem like they would be perfectly paired as a platoon. Um, but you know, you have to give them opportunities to hit the same-handed side uh, in order to develop. So um, if the team's not really 
Like, I know that you can say that they're going to try to make the playoffs, but if they're not really going to be in a position for that, I'm perfectly willing to live through the struggles. Uh, I, I think we've all watched enough bad baseball that that we're willing to uh, to see if these guys can start to put it together. I am encouraged that uh, that Eric Chavez is back in that hitter uh, hitting coach role. Oh, same here. I think that they reacted well to his tutelage. I think that he was able to simplify things. And I would go again. We don't know the um, the, the route that data takes from the front office to the players, but by all accounts, and even just looking at statistics, it looks like he was transferring that data beautifully when he was in charge. So yeah, hopefully it goes back to it. So if it were up to you, would you sign a full-time DH? I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Would it be helpful? Of course. I mean, if you're looking at a Solaire, you're looking at a J.D. Martinez, or maybe if you're looking at an outfielder who could possibly swing into the D.H. role, but you might have enough outfielders at this point. Who knows? Uh, it's all going to fucking it's all going to fulcrum on Marte. Um, it would be helpful. Do I think it's necessary? No. If you want to get the most out of D.J. Stewart and get him reps. If you want to keep Alvarez fresh through the season, if you want to keep Pete fresh through the season, I know he likes playing first base every day, but if you want to get Vientos in at first base sometimes, he's going to have to DH. It might be useful to have a an open DH or a floating DH spot. So I, I guess we'll see. Yeah, uh, we will. And, and we've got a little more time uh, for them to figure out exactly what they're going to be doing. We do. We do. Unfortunately, we don't have much more time left tonight. So, uh, Taryn, we, we, we're going to be back next week? Yeah, hope so. Awesome. Outstanding. Hopefully we got some big news to to uh, to discuss. Yeah, uh, maybe they'll pull off a trade. That'd be fun. Uh, I, we still think it's coming. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll chat more. All right, guys, you know where to find us. You know uh, we'll be back next week. And you know the sign-off. It's LFGM, baby. We'll see you next time. Peace.